Welcome to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Robbinsville. Thank you for joining us. We trust that the teaching of God's Word will speak to you. All right, well, good morning once again. Happy Father's Day to you dads out there. Um, man, fatherhood. What an adventure, huh? If nothing else, it's an adventure. Uh, of course, mothers, you share in that adventure as well. And uh, there's nothing quite like being a parent. You know, I, I'm, I'm almost 10 years experience into this endeavor. And I know some of you uh, have a whole lot more experience than I do. But parenthood is just an interesting thing. There's really nothing else like it in the world. It's one of those things that you just never really feel that confident or sure of. Right? No matter how much you are desperately trying to do that job well, you never, I've really, I don't know if I've ever met anybody who just said, I am, I'm just the most confident parent in the world. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm just nailing this parenting thing, right? People don't feel that way when it comes to parenting because it's a journey that is always changing. As soon as you kind of get used to one routine of life, your kids just have the audacity to grow and change. And then it's a whole new ball game that you have never played before and I just don't even know how it works. Uh, but parenting, it reveals so much about yourself, doesn't it? I think that's what has surprised me so much about uh, being a parent is I never knew how selfish I was until I became a parent. And then those uh, children have a great way of revealing that to us. So some things we would prefer to not have revealed about ourselves, but they just are really good at bringing those out in us. And you know, when it comes to parenting, you know, Rance mentioned it even in his prayer that it is one of those things that no matter what stage you're at in the journey, it's easy to look at with a lot of regret. Because whether your kids are two weeks old or, you know, 50 years old, you can look back and think, I mean, there's a lot I wish I could do differently. Uh, Every day we come to the end of the day and think, you know, I wish I could have done some of that differently. So, man, what an adventure that we get to be a part of uh, as parents and grandparents. And so, obviously, parenting, grandparenting is such an important idea. We know it's a foundational truth in Scripture And yet, if you really stop and think about how little the Bible says about it, it's kind of terrifying. You know, I just kind of browsed my shelves the other day. I think I probably have 30, 40 books on parenting. And that doesn't even like touch the number of books that were published in this last year on this topic. But you think if you were to take one of those books on parenting, you could take all that the Bible says about the topic and it'd probably be like one chapter out of that book. I mean, that's craziness. And yet... God orchestrated this to be the primary method for discipling the next generation. And yet he leaves us with way more questions than solid answers. Um, But he expects us and he longs for us to understand this idea of wisdom for the family. So when it comes to parenting, we realize that it is a whole lot less about knowing the exact specific thing to do in every situation And it's a whole lot more about having a few biblical principles and guidelines and begging the Lord for his wisdom to know how it applies in every situation in life. So today we're going to look at what's probably one of the most well-known scriptures on the subject of parenting. And it by itself is one verse, but there is a lot to think about in that verse. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 6. If you want to turn your Bible there or I'll have it up on the screen if you wish to follow along there. But before we jump into that, I want us to just remember, before we read these verses, because I know there's a certain population in here, maybe like 20-year-olds and under, who I could lose real fast when we turn to Ephesians chapter 6. 
So before we do that, I just want us to all remember that Ephesians 6 is for us. It is for our good. That God gave it to be a blessing for us and he intended it to be something that would be a joy for us. And the whole book of Ephesians is helping us wrestle out this idea of what does it mean to be the household of God? What does it mean to be a part of God's family? And in light of that, how does, what is, as we are people who are being filled with the Holy Spirit, how does that affect all of our different relationships? So a couple weeks ago, we looked at Ephesians chapter 5, and how does being full of the Spirit affect being a husband and a wife? And now today, Ephesians chapter 6, it's going to be, how does being full of the Holy Spirit affect my role as a child and my role as a parent? And part of today's sermon, we called it shepherding a child's heart, but half of this sermon is really directed to the children in here in the church. So uh, hang with me today. So let's go ahead and read. I invite you to stand up with me and we're going to read God's holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible word together. And we are standing because we are saying this is God's word and it matters. So Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, you have laid before us a tremendous task to be children and to be parents, and neither of those roles is particularly easy. And, and both of those roles can be so filled with hurt and discouragement and disappointment. So, Father, today I pray as we get to read this and just meditate for a few minutes on this idea of what does it mean to let you be the center of our relationships. I pray, God, that you would bring healing where it's needed. I pray that you would bring um, just encouragement for the moms and dads and the children who are striving to do this well but struggling every day. And I pray, God, for those maybe with broken relationships that you would offer them some guidance on how to move forward, even in those really hard relationships. So, Lord, this is a scary, terrifying thing that you've given us this job, and we really have so little about it. But, God, we know you've given us all that you think we need. And so we trust that, and we trust that you would give us the wisdom today uh, to move forward a little bit more understanding our roles that we have in the family. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so as we think about how does this parent and children role work, we realize it takes both parties uh, for this to function well. And you, you, so you may have the most godly parent in the world, and they are striving, but if their child wants nothing to do with it, that relationship's not going to function as it should. And on the flip side, you may have a child who is genuinely seeking the Lord and trying to grow in their understanding of God and His grace, but if the parents aren't doing their part of that role, it's going to be a broken relationship as well. And so how do these two things fit together? And so our time together this morning, um, and before I get into that, I do want to say, maybe you're not in one of these, maybe you're not a parent right now. Um, the great thing is all of us fit into this text because all of us are children. In some way or another, we have parents. And ultimately, again, we want to remember that this is pointing us to how do we function as a church family? So even when we get to that part of parenting, maybe that's not where you're at right now, I still really encourage you to dive into that and to listen um, because we really do all have a role to play as it comes to how we function as a church family. So starting out, we're going to just very simply follow this text today, uh, not a real creative outline. We're just going to walk through these verses. So chapter 6, verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Well, if I am 
someone who's maybe around that age of childhood, my first question would be, does this apply to me? Do I qualify as child or am I, have I outgrown that stage? Um, the reality is it's really cool that this word is kind of a vague word. It doesn't mean just a certain age, but it does mean a person who's living under the authority of their parents, okay? So this is speaking to someone who's kind of still in the home, someone who hasn't yet branched out to start their own family or kind of launch off into their own life. So, I mean, this could be somebody who's 20, 25 years old still, maybe living at home, um, trying to figure out how to to navigate these relationships. And obviously, this doesn't necessarily talk to like a six-month or a one-year-old child, right? A one-year-old's not going to have the ability to really understand this idea. And so this is talking to people who are old enough to understand this, and yet... um, young enough to still be under the authority of their parent, okay? Now, there's parts of the Bible that are pretty difficult for us to understand, and we read it, and we really can't figure it out. But we have to admit, even if we're young, we can look at this and say, I do know what that's saying, right? There's not really a lot of ways to get around what God is clearly saying in this. If I am a child who's living in a home, I'm being called to obey my parents, now, that's, that's a difficult thing to hear. It's a very simple concept, but hey, we've all been teenagers and children once upon a time as well, and it is not easy. So just because it's a simple idea does not mean that it's easy to do, because obedience feels like such a constraint. It feels like something that is, is, is not something we want to naturally do, and it feels like if I was to choose to obey, that means I am forfeiting my ticket for fun. Right? I, if I'm choosing to obey somebody else, I'm laying aside everything that's going to actually be fun and enjoyable and good in my life. That's how it feels if we're honest. But children, I want you to hear, and when I use this term children today, please don't take that like derogatory. Like I'm just kind of using the word as the Bible does, okay? We want you to hear that we as parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, we feel the same way. Obedience is a simple idea, but we think it's hard. Because we often feel those same ways when it comes to us obeying our heavenly father. We feel the same way. We don't want to do that. We feel like that's a constraint. We feel like that's binding us up. And so oftentimes we struggle in the same way. So you're not alone in this journey. And it's also hard because the struggle to obey your parents gets difficult as you grow up. Because God has built you and wired you in such a way that as you're growing into your late childhood years and your teenage years, you are becoming more independent. And that's a wonderful thing. Your parents want that for you. They want you to think your own thoughts. They want you to to struggle with these ideas for yourself. They want you to become more independent in your ability to function on your own. But this idea of obeying your parents doesn't go away just because you feel like I'm growing in my independence. And that's where this battle gets really hard. It's maybe easier to obey when you're two or three than it is when you're 15, 16, 17. But guys, this and gals, this principle still applies to us, and this is still what God is calling you to. And remember, he's calling you to this for your good. But So he uses this phrase, children, obey your parents, but it doesn't stop there, in the Lord. So this is kind of a motivation. Why would I ever choose to obey my parents? Do you know who my parents are? Remember, God is sovereign over that whole process, and he chose your parents specifically for you. And parents, we need to remember that God chose your child for you. 
So obey your parents in the Lord. Well, this idea, what does it mean to be in the Lord? It really, maybe we could think of it better if we say, because of the Lord. So children, why would we ever obey our parents? We don't do it because we think that they're worthy of it. We don't do it because we like what they're doing or the way that they're leading us. We do it because of a desire to honor the Lord. These two things are intimately connected in God's mind. When I'm trying to honor the Lord, one of the ways I do that is through the obeying my parents when I'm still living under their authority. But it also helps us to see that every day on this journey, we need the Lord's help to do it. We're not going to do it well. We're not going to do it naturally. This is a supernatural strength that we need to be able to put ourselves under someone else's leadership. So children, obey your parents in the Lord. And this last phrase, for this is right. Sometimes we like just a straightforward answer. Why do I have to do that? Why do I have to listen to you? Sometimes we just need to hear it because it's right. Because this is how God ordained the world to function. God gave children parents. He didn't raise children to figure it out on their own. He gave children parents. And he says, when I see this relationship functioning, this is right. And so parents, this is probably a good thing for us to think about in the language that we use with our children. Because maybe what's more natural in our language is because I said so, because I told you to. Maybe we need to start thinking about how do we incorporate this idea? I'm asking you to do this because it's the right thing to do. Because our children are growing up in a generation where the, the world is teaching them there is not a right and a wrong. There is not one absolute truth that is correct, but God's word says there is. And so they need to hear from the parents saying, this is right. If God says this is right, this is what we as a family want to do and to be about. So this is God's design and things work better when we operate this way. So children, this is what God is calling you to. And he's calling you to do it for your good. But he doesn't stop there just with our actions. When we think of obedience, it's directly speaking to our actions, how we behave, the things that we do. The verse 2 and 3 go on and give us a different idea. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So obedience speaks to our actions, but honor speaks to our attitudes, okay? So if we put this together, kind of the calling that children have is children are called to obedience with an attitude of honor towards their parents, okay? This is the role that God has given to children within a home, to obey your parents, but to do it with an attitude of honor. Now, we think about this idea. This is really cool because obedience is a temporary thing as we've looked at it. There's coming a day, kids, children, where you're going to outgrow this calling to live in obedience to your parents. And parents, we need to remember that, that God has designed our kids to outgrow our obedience. But this idea of honor is something that lasts forever. Honor is something, whether I am three years old or I'm 90 years old, I am called to live with this attitude of honor towards my parents. And now there are some parents who are a joy to honor. They're worthy of our honor, and it makes it very easy. Father's Day, Mother's Day is the day you are excited about because you look to it and say, today I get to honor my parents, not for their perfection, but because they love me and they love the Lord and they sought to put me on that path of seeking the Lord. And when we get to honor people like that, that is a great joy. But there's a lot, when we get this idea of honor, there's another set of parents who we would say, I really struggle to see how they're worthy of honor. 
There's a lot of brokenness in my past. There's a lot of brokenness in my family, and I don't have any idea how that idea of honor is supposed to fit into my context. What's important for us to see is that honor is not something we do because we feel like it. It's a choice that we make. It's an attitude that we have towards another person. And that's going to look very different based on how that relationship is. But no matter if the relationship is bad or good, we are still called to honor. Now, it takes us wisdom to figure out what that looks like. But I want us to give us some, some thoughts today. Whether, whether we have parents who are so easy to honor or we have parents who are really hard to honor, what does that look like to honor our parents? So three ideas. The first one is we honor our parents with gratitude. So maybe you can look back and you say, my parents, I can look at, I'm so thankful for the way that they raised me. Maybe you look back and you say, when I, when I think of my mom or dad, all I see is a negative pattern. But even in that, you know, we can look at that with a sense of gratitude because that parent taught us how not to live. Maybe that's the most that you learn from your parent is to say, that is not how I want to do it. But even in that, we can rejoice and say, God, I thank you that you allowed me to see that that is a broken model that I don't want to follow. And so that may not be a phone call you want to have. Dad, I am so thankful that you taught me all the ways I want to avoid being a man. But that is an attitude that we can have. And if that's the attitude we carry towards, the, towards a broken relationship, it will affect how we see that relationship. And ultimately, it will affect our view of God giving us that person as a mom or a dad. So we can choose to live in gratitude toward our parents. And another one that's really important is to choose to live in forgiveness. Now, whether your parents are alive or your parents are dead, this is still something that we may have to wrestle with because our parents have hurt us, all of us. Even if we have the best parents in the world, they have hurt us. And so how do we honor them? We honor them by forgiving them and recognizing they're flawed people as well. And we don't, what, what does it mean to forgive? It doesn't necessarily mean I forget all those things and I just open you back into my life with open arms because there are some parents that are in relationships that are so broken that it is unwise to welcome that, them back into that sort of relationship. But we can operate in forgiveness. And what that means is that I no longer hold the burden of being their judge. I no longer am that one who is convict, trying to convince them and convict them and, and I'm, I'm, I'm pushing this upon them. I've forgiven them. And that doesn't mean the relationship is automatically restored, but it does mean my mindset towards them has changed. That I am releasing them to God, the just judge, to take care of that. I don't have to, re, I don't have to repay them for all the hurt they've caused me. I can release them. And that's the way we honor our parents and so maybe that is something we verbalize to them. Maybe that's something our parents need to hear from us. And maybe that's something you've tried and it's not something you need to continue to do. But that is the way we can honor our parents. And the third way is we do it with grace. Part of that means the way that we interact with them is kind. It's honorable. And so even if we have really broken parents and broken relationships, we can speak of those in a way that's honorable and gracious, or we can speak of those in a way that's very damaging to everyone who hears it. And so as we think about the attitude we carry towards our parents, do we bring this one of honor and grace and dignity to that? So as parents, we could say we would love, we love it when our children obey, but when you see them obeying with this sense of honor, it, it, it is a totally different thing. It is such a gift that we receive when we see people responding in this way. But if we're honest, maybe, maybe, maybe children, as you look at this, you'd say, 
some of us desiring to follow the Lord is not really our greatest call. That's where I was when I was in high school. Obeying my parents was not my prime objective in life. And honestly, honoring the Lord with the way I lived wasn't really on my radar either. And so how do we help encourage those children today? Well, we do see, when we go back to these verses, God does give us an important principle here. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. So it's fascinating, when God gave the Ten Commandments, most of them he just said, you shall not, you shall not, you shall not. But he comes to this one about honoring your father and mother, and he attaches this promise to the end of it. He says, if you live your life in this way, here's the idea, it will be well with you and you may live long on the earth. So children, maybe if you have no desire to honor your parents, maybe if you really don't have a desire to honor the Lord, at least listen to God's promise and plea right here. This is serious. Now, this isn't, this isn't a promise, this, this isn't something that's this idea that says if you die young, that means you failed in this, or if you do this, you are guaranteed to live this long life. But this is a principle that, and a promise that is generally true on how relationships function. If you honor your father and mother and obey them, generally it goes well with you. Because most of you, almost all of you in this room, not every single one of us, but most of us, our parents are looking for our good. They are trying to help us. They are trying to help us become the men and women that is good for us. And so they are guiding us on that path that it will be well. And they're also trying to keep you alive. That's one of the great challenges of being a parent is keeping these little children alive. Because sometimes you all like to do some crazy stuff. So this is a simple idea that when we obey our parents, we generally live longer. Do you know why? Because you know not to run into the street. Because you know not to eat and drink the bleach and the poison and all that kind of stuff. Somebody taught you those things. Your parents also are teaching you to develop habits and friendships that will lead to your good. But when we reject that and say, I want nothing to do with that, I don't care about that, we are putting ourselves on a path that can be very damaging. I'm speaking to you as a firsthand experience of this. This was my world when I was a teenager. I have multiple very close friends who died in high school or college because of the choices we made. And I look back and I realize I was leading and walking side by side with my friends down that path. I can't change that. But I have seen this reality lived out. Godly parents whose children rejected everything they had to say and it led to their early death because of the choices that they made. So children, this is serious. We're not pleading with you just to make our lives easier as parents. We are pleading with you because this is the reality of how the world works. When we reject those who are out for our good, it can lead to great pain in our lives. So listen to that plea. It doesn't come naturally, but it does come with a real purpose. All right, children, take a deep breath. You're kind of off the hook here as we transition now into the role of parents in verse 4. So that's the role of children. But in you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Again, one of the most uh, well-known verses on parenting in the Bible, but if you really say that's what we have to go off of, that doesn't feel like a lot. Well, who's he talking to here? This idea of fathers, it's not just exclusive to men. This is a word that's used often of men and women. It's parents in general. So this is speaking to both parents. 
Now, dads, you should listen because we do have a role in this that's unique, and we have a responsibility that we are accountable for in a unique way. But these principles apply to both mom and dad in this endeavor. So the first thing, we're kind of given two ideas here as parents. Very simple thing. You get two ideas. To guide your parenting, you have two points, two principles. The first is a don't do, and the second one is a do. The first thing is do not provoke your children to wrath. Now, when we think about that idea, there are some children who are just angry because of no fault of the parent, okay? As we look back at the the previous ideas, some kids reject the idea of obeying their parents, and it leads to a lot of anger in their lives. Parents, that doesn't necessarily fall on you and your responsibility. Your child is a free agent who can make their own choices and can, can, can choose whatever path they want to go down. But here, he's specifically speaking, there is a way that we can interact with our children that leads them to this kind of behavior as well. There is a way of parenting that provokes, it just prods, it pushes, and it leads our children towards wrath and anger and bitterness. It's this building up of resentment within them. It's this this constant putting down that is just grating within the soul of that child, and what comes out is wrath. So what are some ways that we do that? As parents, we can really easily do this, and we're not even intending to do it. We can do this through unreal expectations. You know, it's really hard for me to remember as a parent that a two-year-old is not a five-year-old, is not a 10-year-old, is not a 16-year-old. There's a lot of childness that children do that we can really overreact to, that we can put these expectations on them that say, why are you acting like a child? Why are you behaving in this way? That's what children do. We can put unreal, un, un, these unreal expectations on them when it comes to, we want our kids to be the best at everything that they do. We want them to excel. We want them to thrive. We want them to be the smartest, the strongest, the fastest, the best, the most skilled. And we, we put this pressure on them that can be destructive to kids. And when they're feeling this constant pressure and like, I can never measure up, I can never do enough, what is happening is inside that child, this resentment and this wrath is building up because of the way that we're parenting and leading them. We can do this by humiliating our kids. Have you seen parents do that? That's a hard thing to watch. When a parent belittles a child, whether if it's one-on-one, that's still damaging, but oftentimes it's done in a group of people, and you see this kid being put down and made fun of by those parents. And parents say, well, I'm just trying to make them tough. That's not what you're doing. You're building up this resentment and wrath within your child. You're pushing your child away from you. We do it through favoritism and the way that we treat one sibling over another. Kids see that. Kids sense that. And that builds up within them. Another way we do it is through unclear boundaries or consequences. That's a hard one. Do our kids know what to expect from us? Are we fair to them or do they never know what they're going to get? They do, they, they do this action one time and mom and dad respond this way and they laugh and think it's funny and they do it again and it's, it's like the worst thing they've ever done. What happens inside the soul of a child when they have no idea what to expect from mom and dad? They grow to be really afraid of you and it grows up with this fear inside of them and it's turning to wrath. So what do we not do? We don't do this. We don't want to do this. We want to we make our leadership of our children a joy. We want our kids to look at us as their parents and think, it is a joy to be your child. 
But when we're not careful and we're acting in these ways towards our kids, we are not a source of joy to them. We are a source of pain to them. So the first thing he tells us before giving us any positive instruction, don't provoke your children to wrath. But he does go on. He gives us a couple positive things to do as well. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Or your Bible may say the discipline and instruction. And when we hear the word discipline, the first thing we probably go to is punishment, right? And yes, that's a small piece of what it means to raise them up in the discipline or training. But that's such a small part of it. There's so much more to training and to discipline than just the act of punishing. When we think about things in our life that take discipline, it takes a lot of discipline some days just to wake up and go to work. It takes a lot of discipline to do our laundry. It takes a lot of discipline to, to, to eat wisely and to go to the gym. And it takes a lot of discipline to wake up on Sunday mornings and come to church. Right? All of those things are disciplines in our lives that we have created. And so when he's encouraging parents here, train up, bring up your children in disciplines, he's saying train them up into these healthy patterns in their life. Help them to see what a godly man and woman does, that they do the hard things even when they don't always feel like it, but they are disciplined in their actions. They're intentional with the way that they live. And so it's pushing them towards building the right habits. It's not just giving them rules to control their behavior, but it's giving them these principles and disciplines that can guide their whole life. As parents, this is a lot harder. It's easy to give rules to control the behavior of kids. It's hard to give them principles and guidelines that lead toward their building up in training and admonition of the Lord. So we do it through our building up of these patterns, but he also says, do it through the way that you admonish or instruct them. Now, this is specifically talking about the verbal things that we teach. One of the primary roles of being a parent is to be a teacher. You think about how many thousands and millions of things probably that as parents, you have the opportunity and privilege to teach your kids. Some of it seems so menial. Some of it is really important, but all, all the while you are teaching them all of those things. But this isn't just a defensive correction. This is this intentional teaching and training up. And one of the things that we really need to do when it comes to teaching and instructing is make sure that we're affirming to our children. Make sure that part of the verbal things that they hear from us is encouragement. Because sometimes all that kids hear is this negative instruction. The things that you're failing at, the things that you're not good at, kids need to hear the affirmation. I'm proud of you. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. So there's a verse in the Bible that kind of gives us some framework because we think about what does it mean to train and admonish our kids in the Lord? There's a, there's a verse that talks about Jesus's upbringing. And there's really hardly anything in the Bible about that time period of Jesus' life, but there's one verse that kind of tells us about this period, and it's Luke chapter two. And it says this, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So if we look at just this little verse right here, while you know, this verse is talking about Jesus, the Son of God, growing up, we do see here kind of four main areas as we think about how do I train and discipline my kids? What is it that I'm aiming at for them? There's four main ideas here. You see the intellectual side, which is wisdom. You see the physical side, which is stature. And then you see the relationship with God, and you see the relationship with men. So you see the spiritual side and the social side. Okay, all four of these ideas. Let's just think for a minute, how would we train our kids in intellect and wisdom? 
Kids need to hear repeatedly over and over and over again about how those godly principles can affect their life. We don't naturally come into this world knowing godly principles or that that being God's method of living. So we need to teach them and train them in that. When it comes to stature, our physical bodies, sometimes we don't really think about that as much as our role of a parent, but in this day and age, kids need to hear godly wisdom on what it means to be a boy or a girl. There's a lot of confusion on this today. And we need to, kids need to be raised and trained to understand what does it mean to be an embodied person? That God created us with bodies. What does that mean to take care of that? And what does that mean as that body grows and changes? Don't leave your kids to figure that out on their own because the world is going to teach them if you don't. And so God is encouraging us here. Part of our role is in disciplining and instructing our kids deals with the physical nature of what it means to be a human. And in favor with God, teach them how to have a relationship with God. That seems so simple and basic, but, but this is a really weird idea. How do I have a relationship with an invisible being who doesn't actually verbally speak to me? Somebody needs to teach us that. And how do I do that with other people? Kids need a place where they can learn, how do I interact with people who don't treat me well? How do I interact with people who are so different than me? Parents, we have the great privilege of disciplining and instructing our kids in all four of these ways. And so, as again, we don't have all these details just nailed down. I can't tell you exactly what this looks like in your home because every child is different, every situation is unique, but the principle we see here is this, that we are to be intentional in our discipline and training of our kids, primarily when it comes to all four of these areas of their life. It takes a lot of intentional planning and wisdom to get there. And so then it goes back to parents in this verse again, Ephesians 6, 4. Do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, if we just read this, we miss that God also speaks to the attitude of the parents. But this word, bring them up, is actually speaking directly towards what is our attitude as parents supposed to be in the midst of this training and admonition? Well, this word, bring them up, is the same word used in chapter 5 for husbands or for the way that Christ nourishes his bride. It's this word for this tender care. It's like this small plant that you are taking care of as you're watching it grow and bloom and develop. It's a gentleness. It's the attitude of while we are firm as parents, we are always firm with an attitude of gentleness. We're not harsh in our training, but we are gentle and patient and kind. That is really important because what happens is, as sometimes as parents, we think, since I'm the parent, my kids should trust me. But trust is something we have to earn from our children. That's a point we don't often think about, but kids just don't naturally trust us just because we're mom and dad. They grow to trust us as they see us being men and women who are actually trustworthy in their lives. But if we're harsh in the way that we train them, they're not going to trust us. And they're not going to look to us when they're asking questions about how to grow in all of these different areas of life. So we want to be tender and kind. So here's the summary for parents. Parents are called to discipline and instruct with an attitude of gentleness towards their children. So if we put these two ideas together, think about what a beautiful picture this could be. If parents, not far from being perfect, but they are aiming at raising their kids in a way that honors the Lord and they're doing it with gentleness... That's a parent that's very inviting for a child to follow. But there's two key words as we think about this, or two little phrases that we've seen in here. That how, how does all this work? 
The two phrases we saw for the children, it says to obey as to the Lord. And parents, when it comes to instructing, you're instructing them in the things of the Lord. In both of these relationships, the center of this whole thing is the Lord. When we forget that, this is always going to get really ugly, and it's going to get broken, and people are going to get hurt. But when children are saying, you know what? My greatest aim is to honor the Lord with the way that I live, that's going to flesh itself out in really beautiful ways towards their parents. But kids, it's also important for you to hear that your parents are not Lord. God has given them to you, but there may come a time and tensions where your parents are leading you in a way that's not honoring to the Lord. Your first objective in life is to honor the Lord. So move on from this idea that I'm living to honor my dad. I'm living to please my parents. If that's the highest aim that you have in life, you're falling far short from the aim that God has called you to. We are aiming you as children to be somebody who pleases and loves the Lord above all else. And parents, for us, we need to remember what is the ultimate aim for our children. We're instructing them in the things of the Lord. We want them to be great at everything they do. We want them to be great at school. We want them to be great artists, great athletes. We want them for those things. And that's great to push them towards those things. But remember, that's not our ultimate aim. We are aiming at them being disciples of Jesus who love and live like him. And we want them to take that reality into everything that they do. We want to take following Jesus into the school, into their sports, into their future careers. But if we, if we separate these things in their life and we make the biggest thing their sports achievements, all of a sudden we are training our children to have an idol in their life. We don't want to do that. Instead, we want to train them. What does it mean to excel at what you do, but to do that through the power of the Lord? Parents, remember that you aren't the Lord of your kids. And this is a great thing because God and his grace can redeem our failures. Even when we struggle, we may have been the worst parent in the world up till this moment, and if we, but God can still save and raise up those children to be mighty warriors for him. So we are glad that we're not the savior of our children. And we also need to remember one more point that your kids aren't your Lord. It's really easy to get distracted on this because kids take all your time, all your money, all your emotional resources. They can be very consuming in your life, but remember, your life should not revolve around your children because at the end of the day, your center of your world is the Lord. Now, when the Lord is the center of your life, you're going to have very healthy relationships with your children. But when you make your kids your idol, you're setting them and yourself up for failure. Don't put that pressure on them. So how do we bring all this together? We want to be godly parents. We want to be children who will live with a way of honoring our family. But this is bigger than just our own little household. Because a little bit earlier in Ephesians, it said this, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and you are members of the household of God. So maybe you're not a parent physically on this world, but if you're part of this church family, God says you are a mom or dad. There is someone in this church who is looking to you as that role in their life. Do that role well. And this is a beautiful thing because maybe you've longed to be a parent and you've not yet had that opportunity. God says, this is the place for you to do it. And maybe you look at your life and all you've experienced is broken relationships with your parents. God says, come to the church and may that be a place where you can see a room full of men and women who will act as godly fathers and mothers to you. 
This is much bigger. As big as this is just in our own individual houses, this is much bigger. That God intends the church to be first and foremost a family. We're not a club. We're not a business. We are a family. And so these roles, these same principles, we bring into the church in the way we relate to one another. So we, may we be, even if we're old, may we be children who listen to those who are older than us and have things to share. May we listen to all in our family who have wisdom to offer us. And may we take the role of shepherding the next generation in the things of the Lord very seriously. This is God's plan for how he builds his church and how he makes disciples of the next generation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text. We, we know that this maybe brings up more questions and more hurts than real solutions. I pray, God, that your spirit would guide us very clearly on what this looks like in our homes. I pray that you would give us the wisdom to know our children so well that we would know the things that do encourage them and the things that provoke them. Now, we would know the good ways to train them up towards a life that is pleasing to you above all else. Father, I pray that you would bring healing to the broken relationships. I pray you would comfort those uh, who long for something different in their life. And I pray, God, that this would be a church where broken families can be made whole, where broken individuals can find the healing that they need in a safe, healthy family environment. We thank you, Father, that we as a church are not even alone in this because we look to you as our good Father. We have you as a perfect example so that even when the church fails us, we have you and you will never fail. So thank you for being a God who is faithful and consistent and always out for our good. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you were encouraged by the teaching of God's word. If you have questions or would like more information about our church, you can find us at www.robbinsvillefbc.org or call the office at 828-479-3423. God bless you and have a great day.